Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week and thank you for joining in and taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us every week. Uh, I trust you're recording them on your DVR, telling your friends about us. Uh, let me just say again uh, so that you can know this, but uh, we have a YouTube channel where everything that we have aired to date is archived there. You can go there and watch them at any time on your leisure. Uh, if you will go to my website, and the link is there, plus there's a, a link on the screen, but if you go to my website, there is a direct link from our website to our YouTube channel and to our iTunes podcast and to an RSS feed so that you can get uh, the message uh, in several different ways. Uh, but uh, if you have, you know, a lot of people are, are just really learning about technology. I, I, I am too. I, my, my grandkids seem to, my little three and four or five year old grandkids know more about technology than I do. But I just discovered that, uh, you know, you can, if you've got a smart TV, you've already probably got YouTube on that smart TV. It's like, you know, on your channel. You can simply just go to that. If you have internet feed, you can watch this program anywhere you got internet. And by going to our YouTube page, uh, you, if you have friends in other countries and they, well, you say, well, I'd love for them to hear this message, but they don't speak this language. Send it to them on YouTube because our closed captioning will translate in every language around the world. It has literally given us a worldwide audience. We have people in Lima, Peru that watch us. We have people in uh, Brazil that watch us. We have people in the Netherlands that watch us. We have people all in the Middle East, Russia, the Ukraine, that are watching the program via YouTube. And, uh, you know, I just want, I, sometimes I think I need to take time to tell you that because it's you, our faithful partners, that are helping us reach around the globe. I'm never, I'm, I'm, I'm not never, I'm always surprised at the power of these cameras and who we hear from that's watching maybe somewhere halfway around the globe. There are some of the videos that we have out there right now that have been watched 25,000 times uh, just on YouTube, not counting, you know, what you can see on regular television. So, your partnership helps us reach around the globe with the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of grace. And so, you know, uh, if you have not become a partner with us and you appreciate what we're doing, uh, you know, we, we would really appreciate your help and we deeply are grateful for it. And we promise you that we won't barrage you with a bunch of letters and information. Those of you who follow us, who are our partners, we probably to our uh detriment or try to stay away from any, uh, you know, a, a whole lot of, of mailings and stuff like that. You might hear from us once or twice a year and that's it. So we're not trying to get your mailing address or your email so we can barrage you with a bunch of stuff, but uh, your partnership is needed and uh, we do deeply, deeply appreciate it. Matter of fact, anytime you send a gift of any amount, we always will send you out a CD uh, just as a complimentary gift back from our ministry. But uh, anyway, uh, all those things are available. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can go to our website and do all that. I want to get back in the Word uh, today, though. We've been following through with the Gospel of Matthew. And for weeks, even months, we've been dealing with the Sermon on the Mount and uh, Jesus helping uh, this first century group of people. Remember the audience relevance and who He's speaking to here first. 
is always of utmost importance because you've got to put yourself in the mind of the person standing there listening or hearing Jesus. When he's giving the Sermon on the Mount, what he is really introducing is he is introducing the gospel of the kingdom that's about to replace an old covenant performance-based religious system. He's always coming from the viewpoint of, for instance, Matthew 5, when he introduces the Beatitudes. And you say, well, what is a Beatitude? Well, a Beatitude is an attitude you need to be in. And so it is an attitude that teaches you how to receive the kingdom, and then an attitude that teaches you how to release and minister the kingdom. And so when he says the very first thing he says, one of the very first things he says in the Sermon on the Mount is, you are blessed when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. Now you've got to remember that the audience Jesus is teaching here is an audience who already thinks they're righteous based on their performance. And then the whole fifth chapter of Matthew is really to get them to see that their righteousness is utterly and miserably failing. And he tells them that you must have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees if you're going to enter and inherit the kingdom. And again, the key word here is inherit. You don't earn it, you inherit it. But the righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees is not one where you become uh, more glow-in-the-dark than they were, or you, you, you keep, uh, we'll come back to the straight and air here in just a moment, but it's not that you, you get on the straight and air and your performance is more than theirs. No, the righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees is the righteousness that was promised us in the new covenant, and that righteousness is given to us based on the gift for because of the abundance of grace, and watch this, the gift, the gift, gift of righteousness, we reign in life. So the righteousness that exceeds is the righteousness that Jesus gave us of his own righteousness that he gave to us because he that knew no sin was made to be sin so that I could be made the righteousness of God. So he took my sin and he was made sin. That's not fair. If you're looking at it in the fairness of it, that does not seem fair that he who did absolutely nothing wrong on his part was made to be sin. So that I who did absolutely nothing right could be made righteous with the same maid that he was made sin with. So that's the righteousness that exceeds. And we came on through that and began to teach you how that Jesus all through this, this Sermon on the Mount is really teaching them how to transition into a kingdom lifestyle, an abundant life that is not just when you get to heaven, it includes heaven, but it was the life of the coming age. And one of the things we've said in the last four segments is eternal life is more than just a long life when you get to heaven. Matter of fact, Jesus taught that the eternal, this is eternal life, to know the Father. That, ladies and gentlemen, is not just for when you die. You can know the Father right now. You can receive eternal life right now. And one of the things I want to say to you is, man, I started really seeing this from some other translations as well. And this word eternal life is literally the Greek word age or eon. And what he is uh, introducing is the life of the coming age. The life of the coming age was the life that we now enjoy in this new covenant, mercy and grace lifestyle, while eternal life includes going to heaven. You got to have life in you to go. He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son 
does not have life. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So it is the life of the coming age that we receive, and it's his life, and that includes going to heaven, but you don't have to just wait till you die to get it. That's what's incredibly good news to me is that it's involved right now. So as we come back, I want to pick up where we were at last week, and I'm not going to read the whole seventh chapter of Matthew except to skip down to verse number 13, but it says, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads, note this, to life. Not heaven, but to life. We must read it like it says it. We read into the text a lot of things when it's not in the text. But this is not about going to heaven. It's about life. This a way, there's a narrow gate and it, uh, that leads to life, and there are few who find it. I think what he's saying is, is that under this old covenant paradigm, there's a lot of these religious Pharisees that he's offering to them this way of life, but they are not finding it. They just are not finding the way of life. Now, I'm going to come back and, and, and review some things we said last week and then springboard from that, but I need to read these next few verses to go along with. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Note that. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn, thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is, is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits... You will know them. In other words, what he's talking here is it depends on what root you're connected to as to what fruit you are going to produce. So he says, if, you know, I am the vine and you are the branches, every tree that brings forth, you know, every, you know, uh, he talks about every tree that does not bring forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And then he goes on to say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does, them, does, not, and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, I want to come back and unpack this again. See, so again, the context here of a whole chapter of Matthew chapter 7, again, is I think moving us from a law-based uh, mentality to grace. Let me compare this then, like I did last week, and, and just to review a little bit, and John 10, uh, because it's almost a word-for-word -word deal here. It says, most assuredly, this is John 10, verse 1, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Now, let me just say again, we are dealing with, like we talked about before, 
Try, he's talking about strive to enter in at the straight gate. For the straight gate is the way that leads to life. The broad way leads to destruction. Now, again, growing up, I used to think, boy, people say, well, you need to get back on the straight and narrow, which means we need to try harder. We need to redouble our efforts. We need to perform better. I like what Romans 8 says in the Message Bible. It says, rather than redoubling our own efforts, why not simply enter into what the Spirit is doing in us? So I begin to think to myself, if the, if the, uh, if the straight and narrow are the way into life, again, remember Matthew 7, narrow is the gate that leads to life. Here in John 10, verse 1, he tells you that the door into the sheepfold or the gate into the sheepfold is Jesus. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way. So some other way, when you think there's some other way in, other than through the door of the sheepfold, is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. I like that. They will flee from him. Run for your life if it's not a way that leads to life, in other words. If it's not the voice of Jesus, run for your life. For they do not know the voice, thank God, of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Now I want to show you the comparison here. Matthew 7, I think even in John, just a few chapters, maybe I think the chapter before that, it uses this same version of enter in at the straight gate. What I want to submit to you is the straight gate is not performance-based religion. It is Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. The some other way that becomes a thief in context to who Jesus is talking to, his audience relevance, this audience is Jews who think the way in is through their performance. But he says that's a broad way that ends in destruction. And it in fact did even in A.D. 70, just a few years later, that whole system collapsed in destruction. Because this is the scripture. The Lord gave this to me. I, it's been a number of years ago out of the book of Proverbs. And I heard it preached all the whole time I was growing up as a kid in a wrong way. But I heard the Lord say this to me out of Proverbs. There is a way that seems right to a man. Not wrong. It seems right. And the end thereof are the ways of destruction or the ways of death. So what happens is, is the way that seems right to a man is when we substitute the way into life, 
Through performance, it's going to become a thief to us. It will rob you. Religion is a thief. It will rob you of your life. But a relationship with Jesus will bring you into green pastures. It will bring you into this incredible new life that he is offering them, a life of the coming age, a life in a relationship with the Father, and a life that includes going to heaven when you die. It's all in the package. But it's not just for when you die. It's how to live this abundant life right now. I am so excited about the gospel. Because the real gospel gives you back your life. It'll give you back your looks. It'll give you back your peace. It'll give you back your joy. It'll give you back your family. Because the life is the thing that becomes the light. The life, the, listen, what I used to think was the light, I thought, boy, you know, if I do certain things that I thought was holy, it's a real light to the world. It really wasn't a light to the world. It was not appealing to the world. They simply looked at us and thought, my, that must be an awful lifestyle. Look what religion has taken from them. It's robbed them. It's not an attractive thing. I've been in all the countries and seen all kinds of religions and think to myself, man, if they think that's attractive to people who would be attracted by that kind of a life that robs you of your dignity, it robs you of your looks, it robs you of your relationship with your husband, your wife, it robs you of your relationship with your children. I think half of our problems stem from the fact that we're trying to enter into life through some kind of a broad way that seems right to a man, and the end thereof are the ways of death. And what Jesus is warning against here is, he's saying to you, the thief, see, the thief of John 10 is not the devil. Now, the devil may be the one who's trying to offer you an alternative way, but the thief of John 10 is, Jesus said, all that ever came before me are thieves. And so once again, I'm just going to review a little bit of what I said somewhat last week, but if you think that there's alternative ways, people say, well, Jesus is a way in. I beg to differ with that. Jesus is the way. He's the only way. He, he that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. Anything else will take your life. That's why people are on this incredible journey grappling for every kind of thing that they can find. You know, I, uh, you know they're looking for anything that can fill, that can give them this life because they are empty. They are devoid of this life. But I came to tell you that Jesus is the straight and narrow. And if you come to him, it's not about performance. It is not about difficulty. It is simply about learning how to enter into the sheepfold through this door into these green pastures and hear his voice. And when you hear his voice, he brings you into this incredible life for the thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. And the thief of John 10 is when you think there's some other way other than Jesus who is the way. He is the straight and the narrow, and he is the way of life. And he said everything else is going to be like ravening wolves. They come in. You know what? The apostle Paul gets a hold of this later, and, and he talks about, you know, men have come in. They're ravening wolves. They were Judaizers that were coming back to try to bring you back into uh, this old covenant dimension rather than to, 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 to hear the voice of the great shepherd and say, I'm not hearing any other voice except his voice. And then as you look at that in the context, he's telling you that these, these wolves are these people who come in who are hypocrites and they are actually coming in. He said, but you're going to know them by their fruits. In other words, it's not producing anything. And then he tells you that every tree that brings forth good fruit, uh, it, you know, uh, it, 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 or, or every tree that brings forth evil fruit is going to be hewn down, cast in the fire, because a good tree can only produce good fruit, and an evil tree can only produce 
evil fruit. So he's trying to get you to see, again, the determination here is not your performance. It's what root are you connected to? If you're connected to the root, which is Christ, then you're going to bear fruit. If you're connected to this old covenant uh, tree that the axe is being laid through, I think it's interesting that Jesus curses a fig tree in the scriptures. This fig tree, to me, takes you clear back to Eden's misty garden because Adam uses this fig leaf to cover his nakedness. So this fig leaf apron, to me, speaks of man's performance-based religion that can only put up a good front and make a hypocrite out of you. This word hypocrite here in Matthew 7 is a word that's translated in the Amplified Bible as an actor on the stage of life. We've learned how to get our act together. But the problem is, if you get your act together, it's just an act. But some of us have got such a good act that we could want an Emmy or a Grammy or whatever it is, because we've made ourselves good actors. But listen, God is not looking for actors. He's not waiting on you to get your act together. He's simply saying to you, if you want life, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That you enter in through the door, which is Jesus, you get connected to the right tree, and when you take his life and his nature, it will produce fruit for you. If you plug into the tree of performance, all you're going to do is bring forth thorns and thistles. And interestingly enough, the word Sinai, literally, where the law was given, is a word that means thorny or the thorny place. So all you're bringing forth is thorns and thistles. And then he says to you, uh, says, says to them, you know, uh, that uh, therefore he who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. What sayings? The sayings that he's given up through this whole Sermon on the Mount discourse, where he's saying, don't judge lest you be judged. What measure you meet, it'll be measured back to you. Move out of that judgmentalism and condemnation and guilt-based religion, because if you minister that, you're going to get that back. It is amazing to me that the same people who kill you with a sword, when, when they fall and that sword turns, it kills them too because they're judged with the same measure that they put on you. He's really not even talking about God judging them. He's talking about what you've given to other people. They're going to give it back to you. But here he's saying to them, listen, if you're a wise man, you're not going to build your house on the shifting sands of human performance. When I think about the sand, I think the sand of the seashore is being, you know, the foundation that is anything other than the rock. So the rock is Christ again here. Everything about these chapters in Matthew where Jesus is dealing with the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking to them about moving away from this old covenant. This, when I think about the sand, I think about the shifting sands of, uh, of, 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 of human performance. It looks so good, but when the rains come, the moment you're tested, when the floods descend, the moment stuff happens, that thing begins to collapse. That's why you got, I think, a religious system that's on the verge of shipwreck. But in the midst of it, there's a people who've built themselves on the rock, that the house they're building 
is built not on my performance or my abilities, but it's built on the rock, and the rock is Christ Jesus, and they're not operating out of the law of the Mosaic system, but they're learning how to operate out of this whole new covenant paradigm that Jesus is teaching them to walk in when he says to them all these things. I mean, these sayings that he's talking about uh, here where he says, you know, uh, he says to them, judge not lest you be judged. And then he goes on to, uh, you know, uh, don't cast uh, the beam out of somebody's eye or the, the, the splinter out of somebody's eye before you cast the beam that's out of your own. When you start operating with a new covenant paradigm, you're starting to build on something that is solid, that cannot be shaken, that cannot be destroyed. And so I would say to you, get on the straight and narrow all right. Build your house on the rock. Because when you build your house on the rock, and you get on the straight and narrow, it's not because you've went back to all of this, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to redouble my own efforts, I'm going to get my willpower. No, what you've done is you've shifted and said, I am entering into life through the door, and that door is Jesus. I hear his voice. I will run from anything else. I hear his voice, and his voice will help me change my life. Yes, things will drop off of my life, but only because the life that's in me has swallowed up the death that's in me. And even in those moments, when I have failures, or can I say it like this, when the storms of life rage, when the floods descend and beat on that house, and it would have caused you to collapse and fall in defeat under that old covenant mentality, now you're not shaken by the wind, you're not shaken by the rain, you're not shaken by the flood because you're built on a rock and that rock is consistent and he's an anchor for your soul, both steadfast, that you don't have to be moved away from your confidence, your confidence and your faith and the profession of your faith does not have to waver because it's not uh, what you believe, but it's whom, in whom you have believed that he is able to keep that which you have committed unto him against that day. So when we see down here at the end of Matthew chapter 7, beware of wolves and don't follow after them because they will inside their ravening wolves. And we compare that to John 10. He tells you that the wolf has nothing invested in this, but the shepherd does. You're his sheep. I love that. I'm, and the Lord, man, I feel like preaching here today. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. The Lord is my pastor. I shall not want. That doesn't mean I won't want anything. That means I will lack for nothing. God will give you even your wants. Psalm 37, he said he will give you the desire of your heart. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And if you look back at some of the other segments that we've taught, that green pastures speak of the new covenant because it's green pastures that he leads us into and he feeds us on a steady diet of his life and new covenant truth. And we can stand in the time of floods. We could stand at a time of testing. We are out of time. I trust you've enjoyed this segment uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, I trust that you are being blessed by the program. If you are, please consider becoming a partner with us. We offer also a message of the Month Club. It's a CD we send out every month for a subscription of $7 a month or $70 a year, and you will get this kind of consistent work every month for that. It will be a blessing to you, but that $7 or $70 a year is 
is also part of our partner base that helps us touch all the people that we touch through the power of these cameras. Without your help, it's impossible. If you're being blessed by our ministry, so into it. If you're feeding from this ministry, then get behind it. We definitely need your help and your partnership. Call the number on the screen or go to the website or send it via the mail to the address that's coming on the screen. God bless you and thank you for joining us again this week. God bless you. This series is about living life in the context of sonship. Jesus is recognized as a son in the River Jordan by his father. Flowing from his identity as a son, Jesus comes up out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit with incredible demonstrations of the miraculous. He introduces to his followers the new covenant idea that God is more than just an austere judge. He is our Father. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Let us awaken to our true identity and set creation free.